hey, honey, hey, which part of the church are you in the left or the right? Well, it's a candlelight service. I gotta know where you're at. Oh, ask her if my wife and kids are sitting up there. Huh? You're, you're wearing red and green and you're holding a candle. Great, I'll be able to spot you out immediately. Ask her. Huh? Oh, is, is Tommy's wife and kids with you? Yeah, 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 there. Okay, all right, see you in a minute. Love you too, bye. Are we late? Uh, we were 15 minutes late 10 minutes ago. What do you think? Uh, what I think is that Jesus is gonna like what I got him. What do you mean? Uh, it's his birthday. And? And I got him a present. A present? What present? We don't need to give him gifts. Really? You think we just show up, light a few sticks of wax, sing some songs, and call it good? Oh, the candlelight service isn't a birthday party. I mean, it's a time that we reflect on the birth of Christ. We light a candle as a message to the world that we believe that Christ will return one day. It's a light that dispels the darkness. We light a candle as a prayer that goes up to heaven that our hope burns bright. It's the true essence of Christmas. Did you rehearse that? No thanks. Did you hear what I said? We light the candle because- Yeah, yeah, I heard you. Well then grab a candle. I got my own. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jesus. You're not gonna bring that in there. Sure I am. I want everyone to know that I'm thankful that he came and I'm looking forward to his return. That actually makes sense. Who's not playing with a full deck now? <laughs> oh, the wax! I didn't think about the wax. It is so hot. I need something that I can... There we go. <sighs> That's better. Merry Christmas.
silent flocks by night Behold throughout the heavens Shown a holy light Shepherds fear tremble
You can go ahead and take a seat. Merry Christmas, everybody. Isn't it amazing? God became a man and dwelt among us. The baby's birth that we're celebrating, that didn't stay a baby. Jesus grew up to be a man um, and lived a perfect sinless life, teaching us how to live in this world as a human being. But he didn't just leave it there, being a good teacher with lots of good lessons. He um, died a death he did not deserve on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind so that we he could make a way for us to have a relationship with him so he can restore 
the brokenness that stood between us and God for anyone who receives it. What an amazing thing that we're celebrating tonight, the birth of Jesus and all that that means for us here today. So as we come to celebrate, we remember Jesus in this season. We also want to remember him in our giving because we're not having regular services tomorrow. We're, we're collecting an offering tonight. You can participate three ways online at campcc.net. If you click on give at the top of the page, you can text if you want to donate to 84321 um, or you can put an uh, uh, offering in the offering box in the lobby. If you're a guest with us today, we, we have no expectation for you to participate, but the, for those of us who call this our church home, it's our way of honoring God through tithes and offerings. And if you don't know, um, everything you see here is paid for through the generosity of God's people in this church. There's not some trust fund or there's not like uh, government money or anything that comes like from some big uh, denomination. It's all from God's people that have provided everything here, all of our ministries. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for your generosity towards us, for sending your son to be born, to live, to die for our sins so that we can have this relationship with you. And as we get back to you, Lord, today, I just want to be grateful for a moment and thank you for all you've, all the generosity you've shown this church, Lord, that enables us to do our ministries we have here, to support missionaries throughout the world, to help with community impact initiatives when we do them, to feed people in our food pantry, all the things you're doing, Lord, we just want to give you all the honor and glory for that and thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go There's a tree in the Grand Hotel With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store but the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Sure, it's Christmas once more. That's like the coolest opener ever. Come on. We should close that way. That was so cool. That was our very own Michelle on the drums. Like, she's, like she does everything. She plays the piano. She does the drums. She, does, she dances. I'm just kidding. She doesn't dance. That'd be pretty funny. Anyway, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> We're so glad that you're with us. And uh, uh, listen, I pray for you right now. I pray that when you go home, like right now in the oven is the prime rib cooking for you right now. Or if it's not in the oven, hopefully it's in the smoker like at my house right now. And uh, I wish you a very merry Christmas dinner tonight. I don't know what your traditions are, uh, but uh, you know, you probably, somebody in the room is going to go home tonight and open one gift. Anybody? Anybody of this, you know, this kind of thing? Yeah, we open one gift and it's probably going to be pajamas, right? And you're probably going to have to pretend that it's your favorite gift ever and go to grandma and hug her and say, thank you for these pajamas. They're my favorite ones. They remind me of the ones last year that are still in the drawer that I've never used. Now, you don't say, you don't say that, but you, 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 you get to open one gift tonight. Depending on your tradition, you know, you open one gift. Some of you will make your kids wait all night long, and then tomorrow morning they'll be able to open all the gifts. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some dads out there who are going to be stuffed up on cookies and milk left out by the fire. That's funny. I'm just saying. And, and, and then some of you, if you guys are OG Hispanic style, you will have your kids wait up tonight until midnight. And at 12 a.m., you will open all the gifts. And, uh, and, and they will enjoy Christmas. It'll, it'll take hours upon hours. When is 12 o'clock going to finally get here? And you'll open all the gifts uh, for Christmas on Christmas Eve. Anybody do that tradition? That was my, yeah, that's my upbringing, right? That's right. Hispanic kids open their gifts seven hours sooner than the rest of you guys because it's good to be Hispanic. All right, so we've been in this series called It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, and you're like, well, not really. It's like full throws into Christmas now. I know, I get that. But we were in this series, and we started the week after Thanksgiving. 
and we just kind of like were watching as Christmas unfolded, and we decided to do this series about the Christmas symbols and what they symbolize, what they symbolize historically, what they symbolize spiritually. And I don't know about you, but if you've been here with me, it's been like a little bit more meaningful as we describe the symbolism of Christmas and talk about the spiritual impact that, it's, that it has. It's actually made things more special for me. And so what I think I want to do today is just kind of go over some of it, do like a quick refresher, just in case anybody wasn't here for the whole series, and, uh, and, and do a quick refresher on that. And then we'll get to our final kind of Christmas symbol, which is gifts, unwrapping gifts. Christmas gifts is our final one. So we'll look at a historical and, it's, and the historical and spiritual origins of famous Christmas symbols. And at the very end, we'll ask how Christmas gifts uh, goes right into that. And then we'll also look anywhere from the Christmas tree all the way to the Christmas gifts, and we'll ask what these symbols actually symbolize. Christmas symbols, uh, both in a historical perspective and a spiritual perspective, and ask what it means for us. Now, we started this about five or six weeks ago, and we started with the Christmas tree. And I don't know about you, but it was amazing for me to look back at the Christmas tree and where it came from. The Christmas tree really has its roots in some like pagan origin. The idea was that that trees somehow made it through the winter season. And and how do they do it? How do they stay so strong within the elements? And they stay evergreen, no matter if it's summertime, whether by the water or not by the the evergreen tree stays evergreen no matter what the elements are. And we are so scared of the winter solstice and so scared of making it through the winter solstice that, that maybe if we worship the God of the trees, we could get that same kind of strength. Now, I don't know about you, but last night I'm sitting in bed thinking, man, it's kind of cold, and I'm too lazy to go and walk over to the thermostat to, to turn on the heater. But that's okay. I just got my phone. Ba-da-da-da-da. Heater's on. You know, that's not how it was for centuries on end, and we take it for granted. Listen, they didn't have heaters. They didn't have, uh, you know, they really worried about how to make it through the winter months. And that's where these trees came out of nowhere. And like, maybe if we worship the God of the trees, then all of a sudden we can make it through the, the winter as well. Well, somewhere along the way in Christian history, around 1500, there's a very prominent individual, especially when you consider Protestantism, named Martin Luther. And he said, you know what? I think I'm going to take this tree methodology and bring it into the house. And I'm going to show the world how our God fulfills all their desires they want from that tree. And so for the very first time, he brought a tree into the Christian home. Now, this was sacrilege at the time. But it was very, very progressive for him. He said, no, 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 we serve a God who is, from, who, is a, who is alive from everlasting to everlasting. He is truly eternal. So the evergreen tree is a great symbol for him. And as he brought the trees into the home, he, brought some, he put some ornaments on the tree. You might remember the first one was an apple. And it was to represent the problem that every man has on this earth. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we'd see the fall of man. Sin comes in the world. God is holy and separated. And here is man having a problem called sin of not doing what God wants him to do. And that, that apple that they would put on the tree was the first ornament on a tree. And it represented that man has a problem. The second ornament that he put on a tree is a wafer. And the wafer was to represent the Eucharist. That Christ himself would be the solution to man's problem. That there would be another person who would come as a substitute to die on the cross for the sin of the world. That was hanging on the tree. That was the first two ornaments. The third one was candles, actual lit candles that they would put on a tree. Uh, Now you're saying to yourself, uh, cut down tree in the house with candles. That sounds kind of hazardous. It was. That's why we changed it into LEDs. (laughs) All right? Uh, But but really at the beginning it was candles. They put candles on the tree and the candles represented that Jesus was the light of the world. The, The one who could erase the problem of sin, the first ornament in the apple, Uh, who gave his very life, the second ornament in the Eucharist, uh, is the light of the world. And that's where we got the Christian symbols that came on the tree as Martin Luther says, you know what, I think I'm going to reconcile or redeem this activity of trees in the homes. I'm going to show the world that we serve the God that can get them through that winter solstice who can get them, who is powerful enough and sturdy enough to stay evergreen forever, who is from everlasting to everlasting. We serve the right God. Let's show them how this tree can symbolize that. And so they brought the trees into the home. And then another week we talked about reefs. Because what they would do is as Christians brought trees into the home, they would have to manicure these trees so they look like an isosceles triangle. Did you know that they don't grow like that in the wild? 
<laughs> you know, you had to use a machete to kind of cut it down. And as all those little shavings of pieces came about, they decided to make that into a reef. And on that reef, they would put other emblems and other, other, uh, other symbolic things. And there's one specific called a holly. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. And this is, all, this is kind of like a, a little... Uh, um, a little kind of a, a, a leaf with a prickly kind of nature, and that prickly nature represented the crown of thorns that would be on Jesus' head. And the little red pods represent the blood of Jesus that would be shed on our behalf. And so you see on the Christmas tree was the gospel, and on the reef itself was the gospel. That's what these symbols uh, continue to symbolize as we're looking at Christmas. Then, of course, Zach got up here and he did a great job with a candy cane. And what started off as a priest saying, you know what, we want to help these kids at church, give them some candy to suck on so they don't make any noise type of thing, right? That turned into a shepherd's hook and then some red in the midst of it as, as Jesus had slashes on his back as he shed blood on our behalf and the whiteness rep- representing purity, that we could have purity before God because of Christ's work. And from there, we went to stockings. You remember this one? And this was, uh, uh, you know, uh, St. Nicholas who had heard about this family that was in great need and, and a man who had lost his wife already and had three daughters and couldn't afford to, to have any money to, 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 for the dowry for their marriage. So they're, they're kind of stunted on, on, on whether or not they're going to be able to succeed in life. And, and St. Nicholas hears about this. says, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. Even though this man won't accept any money, he walks by the house at night. They're, they're drying their socks as they, they'd washed them from the day and they're putting them over the fireplace. That's where we get stockings. And he put balls of gold into those stockings. So the girls had an opportunity to, to live life and be able to marry later in life. And do you know that many of you will go home today and tomorrow and open up your stockings and you know what you'll find in them? Tangerines. Anybody have that history, any kind of Scandinavian descent? That's right. The tangerines represent the balls of gold that that St. Nicholas put into the stockings. And that represents a season of giving that we give because God has given us so much. We give because God has given us so much. And then of course today we go to Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts, taking a look at the significance of Christmas symbols, and today we're looking at Christmas gifts. Again, the season of giving, and we looked at this before, and this is the most famous passage in all of biblical history. Everybody seems to know it. It's John 3, 16. It says this, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 may be even more powerful, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. This idea that God is a giving God and he, and he gave his own son so that you can be made right with God, like on the Christmas tree, the, the apple representing sin and yet the Eucharist representing that there's reconciliation possible through the work of the son on the cross because he is the light of the world. He gave. So I'm gonna give you a way to be connected with me. And there's a second passage that kind of speaks to similarly this type of spiritual gift giving from God that's not as popular. And it comes out of Ephesians chapter two. And I want you to see it with me. It'll be on the screen. Verses eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Uh, 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 This salvation itself is a grace of God that comes to you through faith. And that is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, I want you to see how the gift is described in that passage. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, so that no one can boast. You see, if you can earn your way there, and you can earn this uh, standing before God, then you can brag about how you earned it. He says, no, that's not what this is about. It's not about being bragging or anything. You can't earn this. Salvation is not a spiritual state to be earned. It must simply be received. Now, this is something that I find a lot of parallels in the Christmas season. Because my wife and I have gone through painstaking, uh, 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 you know, uh, lectures and, 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 and training of our children that when they receive a gift, there's a certain order of things that must happen. Like at Christmas time, you get your gift, and the first thing you must do is notice who it came from. Don't just skip right into opening it. Who did this come from? Nana, Papa, Mom, Dad, whoever it was. Make a mental note of who it came from. Then you're allowed to open the gift. And after you open the gift, before you dive into that toy and start loving that toy and start playing with that toy, what do you must do? 
You must go to that individual and say thank you. Thank you so much, Nana. It's everything I wanted. Thank you so much, Papa. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you so much. You might even need to lie to them and tell them it's the best gift you ever got. But you make sure you go to them and you give them appropriate thanks for the gift before you start playing with that gift. How many other people have done this with their kids? And we, for years, painstakingly, do we go through this process, always go, Nana, Papa, Grandma, Lulu, Mom and Dad, whoever it is, hugs and say thank you because it's the only appropriate response to gift giving to say thank you. And in a similar vein, God has given us all a gift. And that gift is his son. And the gift is the ability to no longer have to stand before God according to our own righteousness or lack of, but we can claim the righteousness of another in his son. And the appropriate response to this gift is say, thank you with your life. Not that it's earning me anything, but I just want to thank you with my life. It's the only response that makes sense. Thank you for giving this to me. And so I say thank you with my life, not because I'm trying to earn it, because I just appreciate the gift you've given me. And that is how it works with our kids, and that's how it should work with with our God as well. Can you imagine your kid telling you, "Uh, uh, I want to earn that gift. Thank you for this gift. I think I want to spend the next five months mowing the lawn and paying you back for it. You go, that's ridiculous. No, I did that from my heart. I love you. You can't pay for it. You can't take that away from me. Salvation, according to the scriptures, is a gift. Now, I tell you, I don't know if you grew up like me, but I grew up in this idea that, that if my, my goods outweighed my bads on this, like, scale, this spiritual scale, then maybe God would let me into heaven. If the good side outweighed the bad side, so it was tearing this way, then God might say, okay, you get to go to heaven. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that popular notion or even consider it for yourself, but I'm just here to tell you that it's not very biblical. Like, he says no one can earn it. It is a gift from God. In fact, the whole Christmas season is all about, all the Christmas symbols remind us of how generous our God is. It's our big idea for today. Uh, the Christmas symbolism, the symbolism around Christmas, all Christmas symbols remind us of how generous our God is. That's what it's all about, reminding us of how generous our God is. Now, listen, you might be new to this whole spiritual thing. I don't know how you got here. I always love what Kenny will say this, that you're not here by accident. God knew exactly what he was doing when he placed you in this room. Whether you're watching online, you're coming with a loved one or whoever, however you got here. And you might say, this spirituality, I'm not really into it. Like, I don't get it. I understand. You're in a great place. I would just tell you that Christianity is all about you receiving a gift. And you have a choice before you. You can receive the gift from God, which he says, I won't count your sins against you, past, present, or future. I've taken all the shame away. My son has died for it on the cross. Here's a gift that you can have, a pardon before me if you'd like it. And when you leave, your take home is, do I want to receive the gift? Do I want to unwrap that gift? The gift is there for you under the tree. How horrible would it be if you left it there? But your action item is to respond to this generous God, simply receiving the gift. Stop trying to earn it. Just receive it. And yet there's another crowd, another, and I've been trying to be very sensitive to this crowd this month. It's the yeah, but crowd. Yeah, but pastor, I've heard all that before. Yeah, you know, I, I should know better. I grew up in this thing, and, you know, I took this detour, this road trip along the way, and I've been on this, like, 10-year detour or road trip away from God. And, and that whole forgiveness thing, that's available to everybody, but not to people like us who should have known better. The yeah, but crowd. Yeah, you know, in a, in a church of our side, there's got to be a subsect of people that might say, yeah, but not for me. I mean, you've met these people before. Like, like I know God will forgive all of you, but he can't forgive me. Can I just mention to you this notion that God's forgiveness is available to everyone except for me. Can I just let you know that God's not surprised of the events of your life? Like he's not shocked. He's sovereign. He knows. It it doesn't overwhelm him. And everything that is symbolized in Christmas and all the Christmas symbols are available to you. They, they, They symbolize that God is a generous God. In his, in his generosity, you can still say, yeah, I can see that you took a detour. And yet at the same time, I can forgive you too. 
And everything that's available on the tree, the, the, the apple and, and the Eucharist and the fact that Christ is the light of the world, that applies to you. And on the reef and the, and the prickliness of the, of the crown of thorns and the blood that was shed and the, the candy cane, the stripes on his back and, and yet the stockings, the, the giving nature of God, it's all available to you. In fact, there is a gift underneath the tree right now with your name on it. And if you were to open it up, it's called forgiveness. It's called reconciliation with God. All these symbols are available to you. Today, when you leave today, we're going to offer you a little gift, a little baggie like this. has like three little chocolates in it. And they're kind of uh, festively wrapped. They look like Christmas gifts themselves. They look like the ribbing you would use at Christmas time. They're the colors of Christmas. And it's just milk chocolate in it. We'd like everybody to leave with a baggie of chocolates. But we're hoping that this would be a little bit more meaningful for you this year. That if you're here and you're new to this whole spiritual God thing, that when you unwrap these chocolates and you eat them, you, you, it symbolizes your heart saying, God, I'm opening up the gift. I'm not going to leave and forget you. I'm going to open up the gift right now that you have for me, spiritually speaking. I'm doing something in the physical realm that is representative of the spiritual realm. And maybe those of you who have been you know, feeling like God, you're ostracized before God, that God, for some reason, loves everybody in the world except for you, that when you open this gift and you eat the chocolate, you would say, no. Everything that is symbolized in Christmas is available to me as well. It's available to me too. And we'd love for you to take these chocolates and eat them, our little gift to you, but you'd make it a spiritual moment as you eat them. And really think about how God, the great giver of all gifts, has given us a wonderful gift in his son, and it's available not only to the rest of the world, but it's available to you, to you. And so as you take this gift, please think that way as you eat those gifts together. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close out. We started off rocking a little bit and we're going to end with some, you know, kind of candlelight, uh, more festive, kind of calmer Christmas music as well. But before we get there, is God tugging at your heart? Man, I feel for that one person who goes, not me. He doesn't want me. Like, he's, he's, he's so humiliated by me. He doesn't like the choice of my life. I'm just telling you. It was for you. That's it's like the gift was for you, and yet you're having a hard time receiving it. Like he took care of the sin and the shame of the world for you, and yet you can't forgive yourself. It's like your job is just to say, thank you, generous God, for what you've done. Open yourself back up to that God. Take one step towards him so he can run towards you. Open up the gift, receive forgiveness, and don't worry about the past. Move on to what he's going to use you in the future and let your life say thank you. Even in the midst of everything that I should have known, that I think I should have known, he still forgives. He still forgives. He still pardons. All the symbolism is there for you as well. Would you do that? Would you take that step towards him? I think if you will, it'll be a Christmas like no other Christmas you've ever had. Now let's sing to our God in worship of him.
sing some traditional Christmas carols together. Sing it loud so we all can hear you. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature's with truth and grace. 
out and we're going to close our time together as we sing silent night but we want you to be patient as we wait for the flame from your neighbor as it slowly spreads throughout the entire auditorium i'm kelly reed the worship pastor this is my wife kimmy and lyric and mr jazz and no we're not going to let him have two candles with fire does like holding them we'll start with one candle and that just let it slowly and intentionally spread as lighting the candles represents the star of Bethlehem guiding the Magi to the King of Kings and reminding us to celebrate Jesus the light of the world who came in flesh to a dark world overcame sin and provided a true hope, a peace, a love, joy, and salvation. John 1.5 reminds us that when all seems hopeless, that the darkness cannot overcome his light. And he is the light of the world. He is Emmanuel, 
God with us. And then at the end, we'll conclude, you can blow out your candle and you can drop it on your way out to where you found it, in the baskets, and leave with your gift. Merry Christmas. Would you sing with me? Christmas.